0: And we are live in the basement. Welcome back to the content <laughs> <was> swap.
1: <laughs> We're live in the basement.
0: Yes, we are. Welcome back to the Content Swap Podcast, the podcast where we discuss a new two new pieces of content every single week that we assign to each other at the end of the episode and bring along some fun facts. We should probably like standardize our opening. It's like the same every time. And be sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> Uh, you are joined by Parker and Aaliyah. So yeah we're here to talk about two new pieces of content but before we do what is going on?
1: Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything and nothing at the same time I guess. Um, I had this week off before I start my internship so it's been a lot of reading, a lot of playing games, just like doing all the stuff I never really have time for or like an extended amount of time for mm-hmm. um and I'm a little sad <laughs> that now I'm gonna be busy again because it's been fun to just like sit down and relax not have my brain focused on 50 million things mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's been fun so I've been playing a lot of Disney Dreamlight Valley really enjoying it um I read a book called Ramon and Julieta which was really good. Um, I read some other stuff. I've been flying through the books, so I can't even.
0: Yeah, you've been reading a lot of books and writing a lot of like posts reviewing those books. Yeah. Um, what...
1: Follow me at the Cozy Constellation on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what book were you reading last before Ramon and Julieta?
1: That's what I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I read um The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Luis.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Did you talk about how you felt about that?
1: I don't know if I did. Um, I thought it was cute. I think I had mentioned. I think I mentioned that I started it last episode.
0: Oh my gosh! All right, yeah, really flying through these things. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm like in the middle of a book now too. So um, like
0: every week there's a new, a new book.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was cute. It's not the best book. It's a good summer read. But yeah, it was enjoyable.
0: Okay, and then Ramon and Julieta. who would you give that?
1: I rated that pretty high. I re- I think I gave it a four out of five. I never rom coms. I never rank over a four. Like, four is, like, I loved that. Like, four is the max a yeah, rom-com could cause a, possibly yeah, mean? Yeah, because
0: it's a rom-com. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you
1: know, it's, like, they're not... I don't read rom-coms for, like, peak literature. Like, peak writing. It's, like, I read it because I want something fun and easy to read. That's really cute. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, like, I never give rom... That's why I never give rom-coms over a four. But um, a four means that, like, it was spectacular, in huh? my opinion.
0: Yeah, with how many rom-coms you read, um, maybe you should write your own.
1: <laughs> maybe. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, maybe. No? <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any other? What's What's this uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley? Uh, do you want to explain what that is to those that might not know? Uh,
1: uh, how do you explain it? So it's basically like a... I don't know if there's a proper term for this, but like a task-oriented game where you're like—it's a video game. Well, I mean, I guess all video games you have a task, but like,
0: oh no! So I'm asking—is it a video oh, game? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I thought you were being like—that's every game. I know
0: it's a video game. I'm just like you say it's yeah. a task-oriented game, and the yeah. listener might not know that you're talking about a video game. So.
1: Yeah, it's a video game. Um, it's very task-oriented. So like, you're basically in this world that it's called Valley um and there's like the some, world is
0: called valley
1: yeah like where you are like the location of where you are is called the valley
0: <laughs> oh i didn't know that yeah okay because
1: like they're they'll assign you tasks and be like oh you need to bring like wally to the valley and like yeah i don't know if that's like a californian thing like uh, what like the san fernando valley <laughs> <laughs> i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> um but basically there's like some sort of dark magic that's made everyone kind of like disappear go into their these different realms and like a lot of them have forgotten about the valley or like they've forgotten life i guess like their memories are just like really what's the word i'm looking for
0: they've lost their disney magic
1: i guess yeah and so like (laughs) it's up to you because you have such strong magic Mm. to bring everybody back to fix this like dark magic to figure out what's behind it Mm. and And so along the way, you have tons of tasks, and but it's also like you can like kind of customize the place, like the location. So you can like customize your house. You can like move people's houses around. You choose where you want people to live. Like you choose what it looks like. You can add furniture everywhere. Um, So it's kind of like kind of reminds me of like a Disney version of Animal Crossing, but like with more stuff to do (laughs) and like like an actual plot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah no I mean Animal Crossing does not have a plot so yeah
1: it's like a more fun because that's the thing for me with Animal Crossing is like I I like the idea of customization but I never even got to a point where I could make it my like place really nice because I was so bored I was like all there is to do is fish go visit other people I don't know I just like found it really boring
0: it sounds like in this case Animal Crossing is very focused on you and like your house what you build up and you can also I guess like enhance the community and make relationships with people but this seems a little bit more focused on like uh improving other people's homes or like doing other people favors rather than doing your own tasks of like oh I'm gonna rearrange my furniture today or I'm gonna go fishing today so I can sell it so that I can buy more stuff for me it's more like Somebody has asked me to go do this thing and now I'm going to go do it for them and it's going to improve their stuff and mm-hmm. the value overall.
1: I think it's a bit of both. Okay. I think I and yeah, I think it has every aspect of animal crossing that you're talking about. But more. Can
0: because. you customize your own house?
1: Yeah, you can customize your own house. You can buy clothes for yourself. Can like,
0: you expand your own house? Yeah, you wow. can
1: expand your house. Like you can you can add different skins so that your house looks different. So you can still do all those like very like customizable things for yourself. Like I can, I have purchased like clothes with like buy fishing and selling fish and then I get money and then I can upgrade my house. You, can go, you can go fishing in this game? You can go fishing and you can sell you, the fish.
0: Uh, can you grow your own trees?
1: Yeah. What? You can grow plants, you can. <laughs> you,
0: wow, I you can food. do everything I, in this to, game. You
1: have to grow crops in order to be able to make food because you need, like food gives you energy because you run out of, by like mining and fishing and things like that, you run out of energy and so then you have to eat food
0: you can go mining yeah. there's energy yeah. food yeah what
1: it's fantastic there's it's everything going on in this everything
0: this is like a combination of everything and then just slap Disney on top of it
1: yeah wow it's fantastic
0: and that makes so much sense yeah wow I didn't I thought you were just running around talking to people oh my gosh, no doing there's, fetch quests all day and that was it
1: no there's so much you can do oh wow like I am not a person who sits down for hours playing a game we have li- I literally was playing this game 24 hours yesterday like I We I did not stop until my switch died and I was like, okay, that's been enough screens for today And that was at like midnight. Yeah, um Because there's just so much to do and it's like feet like it's not it's not overwhelming It's not intimidating. Like I I'm not running around like I don't know what I'm doing Like I it's easy for me to figure it out.
0: Wow
2: Yeah,
0: but can you pick up objects and stick them together and make okay, vehicles? Not Zelda <laughs>
1: No <laughs> You cannot I can pick up objects and stick them it, in my backpack. <laughs> is
0: there a physics system in there at all or is it just like you are attached to the ground and that's about it?
1: No, nah, yeah, you can't like jump or anything like that. Like you can't you can only run okay. or like walk places. And, okay. Yeah.
0: Can you get in the can you get in a boat? Can you get a car?
1: So, you can get on Moana's boat. At one you can point, get you Moana's can, boat. Well, hold on. Wow. Hold the phone. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's one point where Moana's like, hey, come with me on my boat. I need to find something. And this is, like, how you're trying to get her to come back to the, the valley. Yeah. But it kind of, like, it cuts to you just, like, on the boat already. So you can't, like, physically get on her boat.
2: Mm. It's, like,
1: cut scene. Like, now you're on the boat. And she's like, okay, do this. And then it's, like, cut scene. Now you've done that. Like, and then, yeah.
0: Mm. 7.7, 7, not enough boat. <laughs> No. That's okay.
1: That was, I do not want to be on that boat. I do not want to be sailing. That's another thing I'd have to do then. But okay. it's cool. Moana catches fish for you, which is nice. Like,
0: well, there's a lot going on in this game. I didn't I didn't realize. Yeah. I mean, I I've only heard uh, good things yeah. about this game. Like everybody that's mentioned it, even like podcasts that I listen to where like you know these guys are talking about like what's the newest game right now and they'll talk Mm -hmm. about Zelda or they'll talk about you know whatever you know big thing is out and they're like yeah Disney Dreamlight Valley man it's (laughs) like it's so good and they're like my kids love it um that is like their big thing right now yeah and I'm really impressed by it but wow okay
1: I feel like I'm gonna be playing this for forever because there's just so much I still haven't gotten to. Yeah. Like, there's so many characters I have yet to meet. And so I'm like, this, I'll probably be playing this for, till the end of the year.
0: <laughs> till the end of the year? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so much.
1: I mean, cause like, this week was like, I could dedicate a whole day to playing it. Yeah. You know, it. now I'm back to work. So it's like, I only have a few hours in the day to play.
0: What? When did you start?
1: I downloaded it when we first got here so Monday.
0: Okay. So oh okay so the beginning of this week and how many hours do you guess you've played it?
1: Probably a lot. It's got to be well over 20.
0: Okay yeah because i got i got zelda right before we got here a week yeah. ago like what eight nine days ago yeah i would definitely say i've played zelda at least 20 hours
1: yeah because i mean like i said yesterday we played games all day yeah we
0: that was all we did yesterday was play games
1: i was like starting to feel sick because we were also in this movie theater and there's yeah. no like obviously there's no not a windows, lot of ventilation in here it's real dark yeah. yeah and i was just like I'm going to throw up. We found no sunlight today. Yeah, we gotta
0: go outside.
1: (laughs) And I'm very much an outdoors person. Like I love to sit outside. And so I was like, I cannot do that again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was that was a lot. I mean, I enjoyed it. I was (laughs) I was very immersed in Zelda yesterday, but I think it would have been smart for us to like take a step outside sit on the back patio even being in here
1: today even though we haven't been in here that long i'm like i cannot wait to Uh, leave this room yeah
0: once we're done with this probably won't come back in this room the rest of the day
1: i'm like we've been in quite we like yeah
0: went hard in in the movie room i know we've been living in this room i mean that was we were so excited for this we
1: were and now i'm like i don't want to be in here for like three days (laughs) yeah (laughs) i need a break yeah totally (laughs) yeah all right but yeah What's, what's new with you?
0: I've been playing a lot of Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this new Zelda game is great. I'm sure if the listener is interested in zelda they have already started playing it for themselves and they know exactly what i'm talking about yeah but um it's just it's an incredibly well made game it's like they took the last game and they just built more on the foundations of like Mm -hmm. a perfect project Mm -hmm. already and they said how can we make this even better and it's like very rare that something like that ever gets to happen Mm -hmm. but i mean they spent six years working on this game and once you see like once you pick up on what the actual differences are, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I could see why this took them so long to make, because it's... It
1: looks really cool. Like it it looks a lot different than Breath of the Wild did.
0: Yeah, it's incredibly complex. Like I said, like you can pick up pretty much any object in this game and stick them together to make whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And you get these different types of devices that are, that each of these devices kind of serve individual functions. like a wheel for example or a fan or a a balloon or like a thing that shoots fire um and you can implement those in like by combining them with different objects like you can get like a, a flat square panel put your balloon on top of it and then put the thing that shoots fire inside the balloon and have it the fire shoot up into the balloon and now you've got a hot air balloon and you can just like go up high up into the sky with just those three things um but like the sky is the limit literally because there's stuff in the sky and there's just so much to find also there's like a whole underground section which is basic covers essentially the whole entire map and it's really exciting because there's every time i found something in the underground area it's been something really cool so i like want to go spend more time in the underground area but it's all really dark so you don't it's not like the surface or the sky where you can look in the distance and see and kind of know what to expect the underground area is like pitch black you have to throw or shoot like in an arrow these little light seeds in order to see stuff and in order to find you can find these things that light up like a decent circular uh radius but um the thing about those that i found out this like a couple days ago was that each of those things that you can find that lights up an area is actually an underground version like where the shrines are because there are shrines all over the map and you find them and you get these like objects that help you like upgrade your hearts or your stamina so you can do more exploring and get more brave about where you're going and all that. And as you find each of these shrines, um, you can also, they also become like fast travel points on the map so that you can travel to them. So like, you're always trying to find shrines everywhere you go when you're on the surface and some of them are even in the sky. But then when you're in the underground sections, the, where the shrines are on the surface are where the um are where the like little light things are underground. So, now knowing that, it's like, oh. Like, you could play through Breath of the Wild, not get every shrine and still have like a good time. I decided to go for every single shrine because I, you know, this game's massive. I want to complete it cuz it's great. Um, now it's like I was already planning on doing that but knowing that every shrine that I find on the surface, there's also like a piece of the underground that's going to be lit up if I go to that same spot underground. is like, oh, if I wanna see the entire underground, I legitimately have to find all of the shrines. So and I really like that. I like how that's designed because then it encourages people who like, there's always, something more to find like in Breath of the Wild you could not find all the shrines and still feel like you found all the shrines now it's straight up like you know you have not found all of them because like that part of the map is still dark so go over there see what you can find and you might find something really cool and interesting and there's a ton of different new enemy types it's just that it's it's great it's it's great I really like problem solved my way through a lot of things that I'm like is this the right way to do this? i probably not, but with the the system and the rules that have been given to me, I figured out something that worked. And that is extremely rewarding because it makes you feel like everything you do, you may have been the only person that had that solution. And then other times it's like an obvious solution, but you still feel like smart. Um, Yeah, it's extremely well made i mean like yeah
1: i mean was anybody surprised about that
0: (laughs) no 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 i don't think anybody was surprised about that um i don't yeah i i mean if if nintendo's putting out a new zelda game then that means they've found some way to innovate and um yeah they i mean they innovated their butts off i would say so Mm -hmm. i don't know I honestly am like, I don't know how they could possibly make another Zelda game after this. I don't know what it would even be. Um I'm not expecting another Zelda game. I mean, it's been six years since the last one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was like ten years before we got another one. Like, it's just it, there's there's just so much going on in this one. It's like, yeah, there's how do you how do you top this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ten years. I I feel so, it's on the record now. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I have like FOMO because everyone on like my Instagram, that like all the cozy gamers I follow, they're all playing it, and people got their new like Zelda Switch, and I'm like, I have not even I've barely touched Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, I wish I was like as excited as everyone else. It's okay. Yeah. I also am kind of glad that I'm not as excited as everyone else because, like, that's some dedication.
0: <laughs> I know it is a lot of time.
1: Yeah, which I, I mean, I just said like, oh, <laughs> Disney Dreamlight Valley will take me forever, but like, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh,
0: I mean, it, it is it is a massive time investment. Like the the next game that's coming out that I'm like really excited about is Final Fantasy sixteen, which comes out at the end of June, which is like perfectly timed out because. That gives me enough time to just feel comfortable with just playing Zelda, and if I happen to finish it ahead of time, there are other games that are like a little smaller that I want to play. I do still want to play that Star Wars game, Um, but like it's refreshing to be like, this is pretty much this is it. Uh, No need to rush through the story. It's I guess like I've been feeling. I've been playing. I've been playing through a lot of games to like keep up with the new releases, and that sometimes feels like I'm working on a deadline. So it's kind of refreshing to be like, "All right, another new game doesn't come out for like five more weeks, so just play this game mindlessly, explore, whatever happens, happens, and that's like that's what playing games is all about."
2: Mm. Nice.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Well, anyway, our- <laughs> yeah, we should move into our assignments. I gotta assignments. get going pretty soon, I wanna eat some lunch before I go.
0: Yeah, alright, so I believe you are oh, talking about right. what I gave you first.
1: Yes, Um. so last week I was assigned Daft Punk Unchained. Mm-hmm. I got the whole title this time, because every time I'm just like, the Daft Punk documentary, and Yeah. you're like, what's the title? It's like, got a title. <laughs> but it's called Daft Punk Unchained, and this was a BBC documentary? Is that correct? Or that's where we watched it.
0: But... Yeah, I think, I don't know, BBC might have been involved somehow. I looked up zero facts on the actual making of the documentary. Yeah, I just I'm... have, like, I didn't even look up facts on Daft Punk. They're just in Cause my... it's in the
1: movie. It's <laughs> in the
0: movie, and everything that wasn't in the movie is in my brain. So, yeah. like, uh, yeah, just just go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, so anyway, so for those who are unfamiliar of who Daft Punk is... Um, you might know them by their, like, iconic kind of, like, robot head masks that they wear. Um, but essentially, this documentary follows just the trajectory of their career. And so, I don't want to, like, get through all the nitpicky stuff, because, like, you could just watch a documentary. <laughs> um, but essentially, they started when they were in their teens, so maybe, like, around 17. And that was in 1993. And the two members are Toma and Guy Manuel. Um, and they
0: Sorry.
1: Guimane. (laughs) Guimane. Yeah. Um, And they're both French, which I did not know. Um, And pretty much they started out um, under this small Scottish record label. Um, And they kind of like, they kind of started in like the underground scene first was what it seemed like. Um, But I I wrote down like everything that happens to them happens pretty quickly. Like their career kind of really takes off with little adversity (laughs) in my own opinion Mm. um and so i mean they are phenomenal as artists but like yeah they kind of just like it seems like they happen to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what summarizes how i would summarize their career but after being with the Scottish record label for a little bit and putting out a few singles they end up signing with virgin in 1996 um, later in 2013, they leave Virgin and sign with Columbia Records to produce their final album, which was Random Access Memories. Um, but for the most part, they were with Virgin for a lot of their career. And yeah, they just kind of like take off. Their, they make like electronic music, but it's it like combines like funk and house music and like all these other, they get inspiration from all these other types of music. Um, to where it created something super unique. And that's kind of like what boosted their popularity because people are like, this is great dance music that like is different from kind of what we've already heard. Um, And the interesting thing about Daft Punk is they're very much like we do what we want. We're not going to abide by what anyone else says we should do. And if that's a problem, then so be it. We won't work with them. And honestly that's a really I feel like privileged (laughs) like experience like like to be able to do that um but I I hate to say that because I also don't want to diminish like they are just phenomenal and like that's what should have happened for them to like blossom um so I love that they advocated for that but yeah I was just like wow they're really just out here just like doing whatever they want and like people are like, yeah, do that. <laughs> and I'm like, that's very rare to, for somebody to have that opportunity. Um,
0: yeah, I would say that definitely helps in like what makes them special. Yeah, um, yeah. They talked about how one of the members, Thomas, his dad was like a music producer in the 70s, so them having like that connection also did give them the leg up of knowing like what's going to be a good deal for them, what's not going to be a good deal for them, so like you know that that definitely gave them an advantage when it came to starting out and like getting those contracts that are like we own our own records. Yeah, they
1: definitely had like such a business sense at a young age and like that was like I was like wow these are like seventeen year old like even like when they first started they're seventeen year old and they like know exactly what their future should look like yeah and like how they're gonna get there
0: yeah I mean they didn't like Daft Punk itself did not release its first album until they were in like you know their twenties yeah yeah
1: but I mean like to know I mean because they had to have like they started making music at yeah. 17 so they had to have some idea of like we would love this thing in the future
0: yeah, yeah and so yeah. like
1: learning how to navigate so that when they're you know in their 20s and like are finally in the business yeah knowing exactly they
0: what, know to do. what to do yeah
1: yeah um uh, so really like the two big thing big things that stood out to me from this documentary so i let me let me talk a little bit about my experience with daft punk i was never like a daft punk fan or like i yeah i liked some of their songs that i knew like the work it harder that one i liked that and i liked get lucky with Pharrell. but i didn't really know who daft punk was like i just knew that i had heard their music and i feel like my engagement with daft punk was through what other people sampled from them Mm -hmm. and so like kanye west sampling them and like all this stuff it's like okay i like that and i know it comes from someone else but i didn't really know who um and I'm not a big electronic music person,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so like watching when I, when we started watching the documentary, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like care too much about their their trajectory because it's just like not my vibes. Um, and I will say, I did feel like there was not much to their career. Like like it's like oh they made a hit, oh they made a hit, oh they made a hit. People love them, and I was like. Okay, <laughs> like <laughs>
0: I mean, it's a quick ninety-minute documentary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool learning like how they made the music. Um, but anyways, the two the two parts that really stood out to me was first the reason behind the masks, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I kind of assumed what the reason was, and I mean that was correct. It's basically like you're able to live a normal life. Like this type of music was an underground music scene to where you didn't need a face to it Mm -hmm. like it was all about the music and so you had that aspect to it and also like not these two guys not wanting to be so famous that they can't just live like they yeah yeah. and then also like
0: it's like they Hannah Montana themselves
1: yeah and then also too like as you get older there's certain expectations about your music and like it's nice to be able to not have a face because then people aren't concerned about like why are they making this kind of music at 40? You know, like people aren't putting those kind of like barriers on them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because they're just these robots <laughs> and they, like take on the persona of robots and they don't say anything. So that stood out. Um and then the Coachella performance that is like super iconic. Uh and, and I'll admit I was like, they're just standing there. <laughs>
0: like they're why? not though. They're not
1: I mean they're not. They're not. I have mad respect for how you DJ and also it was like a crazy light show. And the Coachella performance happened in 2006, which adds another layer to it because it's like this kind of crazy technology. I would be terrified if I were working for them on that set. Um, yeah,
0: can you, I mean, can you shed a little light about what this whole Coachella 2006 set, like what the story is there? What's that about?
1: I mean... I'm probably not the best person to do this, but it like it was like a pyramid and it was like all like a ton of LED lights and it's like a light show essentially and then they're in the middle of this like pyramid DJing. Um and there was like I think it said like in this tent there could have been like ten thousand people, but there the max is like ten thousand, but it ended up being like forty thousand people that were there and everyone was just having a great time. And yeah, um
0: Yeah, can I, like, fill in a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, like, yeah, I mean, the the story there is that, uh, you know, Coachella was just getting started. Like, Coachella is, like, this big event as it is now. Mm -hmm. Back then, it was, like, very kind of early years Coachella, but it was still, like, becoming more and more a thing, and it had this reputation, and... Uh, I mean, they yeah, they, they did their performance like nobody knowing what the heck they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see Daft Punk live, but also like, you know, they are DJs mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, like the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that that level of performance for like electronic dance music, like just the, the level of production that they put in into that performance with the led lights and just the whole light show and the pyramid and the and the light show and the pyramid and the pyramid (laughs) and pyramid and the light show um like the whole thing the the people in the documentary pointed out like Basically, nobody else in the music industry had done something to that high of a level of production with technology mm-hmm. to just make something like that. Yeah. And they talk about how that moment, like the pyramid at Coachella, like it all started with the pyramid at Coachella mm-hmm. because it, it blew up. Like, just this whole kind of music industry cultural moment mm-hmm. of people having like way more production for their live shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gave like artists like uh, Skrillex basically like a blueprint for when they later, like, Skrillex is interviewed in this documentary and he's like, Yeah, like that seeing that performance changed my life. It Mm -hmm. once I, you know, became big and did my own performances, like Mm -hmm. it all it all started from that. Like nobody had done that before. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you go to like a rave or something nowadays and it's like basically everybody is just doing that now. Mm -hmm. And there had never been anybody that had done that before. And it all started with the Pyramid of Coachella.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those are, I mean, those are kind of like the two big things that I remember from the documentary or that stood out to me.
0: Um, what about their last studio album? What about it? What? I mean, do you want (laughs) to, so the reason I assigned this is because, uh, this like a week ago was the 10th anniversary of their last Mm -hmm. studio album, which was random access memories, which the whole point of the creation of that album was like, yeah. Okay. So like. The way I see it, I guess I could talk about this from like my experience as a fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like, they I became a fan of, <laughs> this is kind of like the least authentic way to become a fan mm-hmm. of a music artist, but I first became a fan of Daft Punk after playing dj hero Mm -hmm. which if you're not familiar with dj hero it's basically like guitar hero but with a little turntable and it's made by the people that made guitar hero and when they made dj hero they got a bunch of different famous djs like dj snake dj am uh, and daft punk to make these like original mixes for the game and there was like a two daft punk super mixes in this game, and, like, the final secret character that you could get in that game was Daft Punk, and I, like, I kind of knew who they were, but I didn't really know who they were, mm-hmm. and that's when I kind of, like, in my mind, like, started listening to all their music. They, like, blew up for me. Mm-hmm. The Coachella Pyramid, that had already happened, mm-hmm. um, and I just, like, I didn't know, and that was probably, like, twenty nine, sorry, 2, 2, 2009, 2, 2010-ish, and... Mm-hmm. Um, And so they did, like, the Tron Legacy soundtrack, which was, I was, like, so stoked on that when it was coming out because I was, like, I really like Tron. Uh, Like, the original Tron was kind of this weird thing, and I remember um, playing through the Tron world in Kingdom Hearts 2, and that's, like, one of my favorite games, and now they're making this new movie, and it looks super cool, the CGI looks super awesome, and they got Daft Punk to make the soundtrack, which is a banger of a soundtrack, um, so, you know, like, I had these kind of, like, my own fan moments of, like, you know, maybe the girls that are chasing after Hannah Montana want to buy her new CD or whatever, like, Daft Punk was basically my equivalent of that mm-hmm. um, growing up in or at least in high school. And then when they made Random Access Memories, the whole point was like the 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 whole point of like the like electronic music scene in the 90s, like the house music and all that is like trying to kind of like maintain the spirit of like disco and funk was or uh, the spirit that disco and funk had in like the seventies and the eighties, um, like kind of keep that spirit alive. And so when they made random access memories, the point of it was to basically like go back to the roots of the music the, uh, in the, like of the spirit of the music. And that's why they brought on like Nile Rogers and Pharrell Williams and like just the whole essence of that album was basically like take the roots but then bring them into the future. Um, And and I mean, it's an incredible album. It's like probably, if not my favorite album, it would be like my second favorite album. Um, And if it was my second favorite album, then my favorite album would be Discovery, which is also a Daft Punk uh, record. So Mm -hmm. like that, that album, I remember when it was like, when they announced that album, I was expecting like, Where electronic music went after they did the whole pyramid at Coachella thing. Like, um, you know, like a whole bunch of artists came out, like Justice, uh, and then, you know, Skrillex and like Dubstep. Like, Dubstep was huge when Random Access Memories was coming out. So I was like, oh, hey, like Daft Punk basically created electronic music the way that we listen to it today. And now Dubstep is a big thing. Like, Ooh this is really exciting. Maybe Daft Punk's going to do a dubstep thing, <laughs> which like looking back like can you imagine, you know, <laughs> that would just be crazy. But I remember like a lot of people got back into or got into electronic music around that time like 2012, mm-hmm. 2013 because of artists like Skrillex. Mm-hmm. And then this album comes out and I'm, you know, a 19-year-old kid thinking like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be you know Daft Punk's take on dubstep but mm-hmm. and then you play it and then uh Give Life Back to Music is the yeah. first track on that record mm-hmm. and and it's so good and it's it's called Give Life Back to Music mm-hmm. which was just like this totally subversive mm-hmm. thing to my expectation mm-hmm. that like just completely blew my mind yeah. and like, yeah, that, that record is incredible.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and think, they ended up winning Best best Album of the Year.
1: I think that's, like, that's one thing that I feel like this documentary made me sad about. It's, like, I didn't have that appreciation for Daft Punk because I was, like, oh, what, like, they do electronic music? Like, so they do dubstep. And I, <laughs> I'm not a dubstep fan. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, and so I never, like, I never would touch, like, I would never touch it. And, like, listening to, like, so after we watched the movie, I was like, well, put on their music. And, like, I had heard, uh, the only reason I knew more songs than I thought I knew was because I've heard you play it, but I didn't know it was Daft Punk. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, I really enjoy this. And I'm sad that I didn't enjoy it when they were, like, the thing. Because I thought it was what everyone else was. I thought it was, like, your Skrillex, your, like, their stuff and everything like that. And that was just never my scene. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, for them it was never, it's never about the show, it's never about the spectacle, it's never about the like, you know, ha- yeah, having the rave and getting all the attention and you know, like any other music artist would do for them, it's just about their music and trying mm-hmm. to innovate and do something different and like give back to the music mm-hmm. with everything that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's partly what makes them my favorite music artist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I respect that. I get
0: it. Yeah. And the and the hiding of the faces as well. One, yeah, great idea because then you can just walk around and go to Target and not be bothered by people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but two, also, like, their whole point about, yeah, it's the focus then just stays on the music. The music is like, you know, we are these robots and the robots are from the future or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. they delivered, they processed and gave us this music and... Mm-hmm like, and it also speaks to their whole thing about, like, having this incredible attention to detail, um, there's always intention behind every single note that's played, and, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, like, love everything about that, it's just, like, this perfect unification of, like, what they were trying to do artistically, and mm-hmm. they just, like, they nailed it, and then they, in 2021 mm-hmm. decided to say daft punk is no longer a thing like it's no more mm-hmm. and it's like you know what like despite the fact that after random access memories came out in 2013 we all hoped that they would do something again like they did starboy and i feel it coming with uh the weekend with the weekend which like are both great tracks um it like them deciding to stop though it was disappointing was also like you know what like if you stop that that like your legacy. It's, is your pretty. legacy's perfect. Yeah, it's done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like the I like the masks.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've got a thing for a Tomas. I was like, mask. I didn't even
1: know which one it was. I was in it, the yeah, taller one. The taller one. Yeah. I was like, the mask with the suits is just so much swag, and yeah. like, it's just. I don't know. I was like, am I in love with the robot? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs>
0: yeah. I like that it was, like, when they introduced the robots, it was kind of just, like, these guys. or Yeah, it was, they were just these robots. And then they incorporated, like, the leather outfits when they did their Human After All album. And then as it kind of progressed, like, at, once it got towards Random Access Memories, they're, like, in these nice, sparkly suits, but, like, the swag is on tap Yeah, like, the
1: way they, like, walk in them. Yeah. And like, I don't know, just everything about it, I was, like, ooh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, um, oh, man. Yeah, and then when they, uh, when they performed with The weekend doing, yeah. I Feel It like Coming at, a. At the, at the Grammys, like they had their like Darth outfits, Vader outfits Yeah, they had like these full on, yeah, <laughs> capes. yeah, like yeah, capes, <laughs> capes with like I don't even know, like this like yeah. gold and silver styling on the cuffs or I don't even know what to call that part the lapel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like oh my god, mm-hmm. like and with the, like with the with the necklaces, it's like dang, just nailed it. Like it just it could not have been more swaggy i'm
1: like who's their stylist yeah
0: i think well and uh i know warren Fu does a lot of their like art direction stuff Mm. um but i mean you know combination of talented people i'm sure
1: their stylist deserves awards because their style is impeccable yep did they ever attend the met gala
0: I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I think maybe them as themselves maybe did and mm. just nobody knew they were there. Mm. Like I saw a picture of Thomas at the uh, con, Cans, Cans? <laughs> I say con, uh, oh. film festival. Uh, he was like sitting next to Forrest Whitaker or something and somebody snapped a picture and I was like, that's definitely one of the members of Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it and you're like, Oh man, he's he's old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know, because like as like the documentary goes and they're getting older and older and it's now becoming like twenty tens and things. I'm like still imagining them like as twenty year olds, and I'm like, oh yeah, wait a second, they're probably like thirty, forty now, almost forty now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I kept having to remind myself, like, oh, these aren't young dudes. Like, I mean, that's still young, but you know, I'm like envisioning they're gonna take off their helmet and be. 20-year-old I've just, like, concocted in my head. Yeah. (laughs) Even though I've seen their face.
0: (laughs) That's, like, the last pictures of them that are, like, highly public and recorded are from the 90s. But
1: even, like, seeing their face... When they had the mask on, I imagined a whole different face. Like, yeah. I was yeah. like, underneath there is not the person I saw in that picture. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. someone I just made up in my head.
0: Trust me, that was me for years. <laughs> it wasn't until, like, being a fan for, like, five, six, seven years where I finally Googled, like, Daft Punk no helmets and saw what they looked like when they were younger. I was like, that's just that's not, not what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, 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 it's They're robots.
1: It's like when you read a book and then they yeah. cast the movie for it, and you're like, that's not them. That's not what they're supposed to look like. Right, And it's right, like, because right. you just made it up in your head. Even to this day, when I read a book, and it'll give me a full description of what this character looks like, I completely disregard it, because I'm like, I want to make up how I think I want, like, how I want them to look, you know? Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, they're no longer making music as Daft Punk, but mm-hmm. I think individually. They retired in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, individually they are kind of doing their own things. I think, I think Gimon is just kind of doing whatever. Um, but Tomá has gotten a lot into producing in the last few years. Mm. He, I think he produced uh, Arcade Fire's album. I forgot the name of that album, but it came out in like 2018 or so. Mm-hmm. They've done a little bit of writing, um, but I know Tomah just came out with like a ballet record. Wow. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah.
1: Are they one of the first artists to do a sort of like visual album? Like, because they made that anime. That- yeah.
0: That was very ahead of its time. Yeah. So, yeah, they did Interstellar 5555, which is, um, yeah, it's a visual album for their Discovery album. Or it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just it's all just it's the it's the feature length film of basically all of the music videos for their Discovery album, which came out in two thousand, I believe. Uh, I would say Discovery is like when people think of like classic Daft Punk, that's basically that whole album. Um, it's an incredible album. It's you know it's the one that's got one more time, harder, better, faster, stronger, digital love. It's uh, ugh it's so good. Um, but yeah, they Interstellar 5555 is that is anime that is just like if you look up the music video for one of those songs from that album, you're going to get basically the clip from the movie mm-hmm. that where that song plays. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't yeah, especially in year 2000 like nobody else had done that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz like the only person i know who has done that is beyonce and that was like Limited, which was like not that long ago yeah so i'm like i wonder if they were kind of like the first artist to like
0: i don't know if they were the first but certainly to make it all an anime yeah i think definitely mm. yeah cool for sure mm-hmm. um yeah anyway big fan love them mm. um God, yeah, they're so good. Um, <laughs> it's like it's one of those things where, like, if I become friends with somebody and then realize they also like love and appreciate Daft Punk on the same level as me, then suddenly it like takes our friendship to a new level. <laughs> it's like, oh, they they know. Oh, nice. um, like Hector, anytime okay. I see something Daft Punk related, goes straight to Hector. Mm-hmm. Um, Or like, yeah, my oldest brother, he, like, yeah, loves and appreciates, like, I remember one time I was on this road trip with my, uh, with my brothers and some other people in my family, I think we were on our way to a baseball game, so not really a road trip, uh, but we were talking about Daft Punk, and I remember my middle brother, he made this comment, he was like, yeah, I remember when, like, that last album came out, like, I was really hoping that they would make some kind of like dubstep thing or something <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, and then and then they they put it out and it, and it came out like you know it's like old music like I don't know just a missed opportunity and I was like you literally missed the whole point <laughs> uh, sorry to call him out um, I think he loves and appreciates that album now but in that conversation I was like I think you missed the whole point Mm -hmm. of the album and he was like and he said to my older brother or my oldest brother he was like oh like did you like that album he's like uh yeah I loved it uh like it's it's perfect um and yeah I just just love like those, those conversations I just I've had such a relationship with like engaging with anything that's new that's daft punk like ah uh, like i bought posters i had a shirt at one point like when they put out official daft punk merch that was like that was a big deal they they went the whole like it's got a seal on it that you know it's like official daft punk, daft punk merchandise um which is kind of like that's like nintendo does that now um like official seal of quality um, my stomachs growling. I'm I hear so that. I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, you're good. But anyway, if I was to ever make my own merchandise, it would like I would take the same approach, like official seal of quality. Um, just love that. It's so cool. Yeah. Can I get a snack? Uh, yeah, go for it.
1: <laughs> I'm starving. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, I will uh, I will fill the space um, as you were getting a snack. Do you want a snack? Uh, yeah. If you could give me a uh... no, no, no. Actually, I'm okay. No, no, no. You know, they say if you are like out hiking and you haven't had anything to eat, if you eat a Snickers bar, it'll give you the extra energy you need to go the extra mile. Really? Is that of the peanuts? That- I would imagine it's a combination of sugar and nuts. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Well, doing the job.
0: Right on. Uh, anything else you would like to say?
1: No. I mean, I think overall, it wasn't bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's as far as the documentary itself goes. Like, I signed this just so we could talk about Daft Punk, and like, there was just a quick way to kind of encapsulate their mm-hmm. career. Uh, the way that the documentary itself is like super French, and yeah. like,
1: I think I wouldn't have mind. I would I didn't mind that, but I think I would have preferred to watch this documentary just watching it, and not for the podcast purely for the fact that like i'm trying to take like i had a hard time taking notes because every time i looked down they're speaking nothing but french yeah and so i was missing everything yeah so i feel like there's a lot that i didn't catch uh like explanations about things that like seem pretty important yeah because i just like couldn't and i don't know french so i, I was like yeah i don't know
0: um so when i was describing it as super french i didn't necessarily mean like literally they were speaking French. (laughs) I I meant like the way that it is presented is a bit more like on the abstract side. Mm. Um like it's it's not told in a very straightforward like this is it and let's go through the years kind of way. It'll we will be like it does take you through the years, but it'll be like they interviewed Nile Rogers and technically, Nile Rogers didn't work with them until Random Access Memories in 2013. But it's like, let's just introduce him because we interviewed him like part way through and it kind of like Mm. jumps around a little bit, but yet, like, does kind of feel abstract and like the main points and ideas. Yeah. Um, I feel like they interviewed Michelle Gondry at one point, who was like a director. He did uh, Be Kind Rewind, Eternal Sunshine, and Spotless Mind. He directed the around the world music video and like when they were interviewing him he was like painting (laughs) while he was talking to them and that to me just was like all right the ultimate Frenchiness of this documentary (laughs) and they were like
1: horrible paint; it was like stick figures
0: (laughs) it was just stream of consciousness he was just making something as he was going Mm -hmm. um I was like yes this this to me like his approach to this interview right now feels like it kind of speaks to this larger theme of like the approach to this documentary <laughs> and just how yeah it's it's frenchiness like if you've if you've seen french films yes. um then you kind of know what i'm talking about
1: yeah i know i enjoyed it i liked it
0: yeah no i mean ultimately I like that. this is like my third time i think i've seen this
2: oh my God. when
0: when they announced <laughs> well because i watched this when i found out that it existed in like 2018 mm-hmm. and then when they announced their retirement my brother and i We were living together at the time we like sat down we watched this because and then like my friend ryan i like went and hung out with him and to kind of like honor their retirement we watched uh tron legacy Mm -hmm. together um and i like and i listened to all of their music alive 2007 somebody made like there's a video on youtube that somebody made visualizing like all these crazy effects Mm -hmm. to their alive 2007 album which is their set from Coachella basically and it is incredible to watch Mm -hmm. um just like effects wise what this person made uh it's incredible anyway um point being like it was it was great to like honor them in that way and for like other people to like who know to be like, yeah, I want to sit and watch Tron Legacy. You're like, yeah, I want to, want to sit and watch this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they're doing the whole 10th anniversary stuff that's coming out, like, the, uh, the t- I mean, the 10th anniversary album came out, so it's got demos and unreleased tracks on it. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing this, like, memory tapes thing mm-hmm. where, like, they interview Julian Casablancas uh, to talk about one, the track that he did on Random Access Memories, but two, the track that they had made together back in twenty thirteen that just never got released until now. Hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see like what more stuff they have to bring out. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot more like twenty fifth anniversary of the home or their debut album homework. They did a lot of like behind the scenes stuff for that last year. So there's just like more stuff kind of coming out like as they were making stuff it was all just very mysterious and now that they're done it's like now we can all see it and that's really neat love that yeah anyway whew, i've been talking a lot so i think i am done
1: well no, because you gotta talk about stepford wives
0: well no yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm done talking about daft punk all right uh, take a sweet water are you reading up on stepford wives over there
1: yeah because there was a fact that i wanted to look at and i forgot about it mm-hmm I want to, to dig deeper into it.
0: All right. <clears throat> so I'll just go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. I was assigned the Stepford Wives, mm-hmm. and it was made in 2004. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Um, Either 2003 or 2004. Good question. Um, it stars Nicole Kidman and Matthew Broderick, but 2004. primarily. 2004. Yeah. Okay. Uh, primarily Nicole Kidman. It follows a woman named Joanna played by Nicole Kidman and she runs a TV network that features reality shows and a lot of these reality shows empower women and she has a fall from grace after during one of these reality shows that she created called I Can Do Better, this woman leaves her husband after being on that reality show. And the husband basically like loses his mind. He tries to murder Joanna while she's being like commemorated at this event. And because of all of that and the ensuing lawsuits from that show, the network decides to fire her. So her and her husband moved to the suburbs in Stepford Estates, Connecticut. And upon arrival, she slowly starts to realize, well, Stepford Estates, I guess what I should say is, everything just seems so perfect. It's, uh, everybody's houses are beautiful, everybody's houses have like these systems that, it's like a smart home uh, where everything can communicate and you can like lock the doors with the push of a button and all that. And something about the women in this neighborhood is just off. They all seem to be very subservient to the men to the point where it feels like they're robots. And well, eventually they go to a 4th of July celebration picnic and there's a square dance happening, and one of the women starts spinning out of control to the point where it seems like she's literally malfunctioning like a robot Mm -hmm. and sparks fly out of her neck and suddenly she's like fixed after uh christopher walken like snaps her neck and yeah sparks fly out she's and she's fine like a literal robot and so as things continue we start to pull back the layers and find out that essentially uh let's see yeah, essentially, all of the men in this neighborhood got married to these super boss-level wives who are crushing it in their careers, and it makes the husbands feel like emasculated, like they're not manly enough, uh, yeah. and so they aren't having it, and they <laughs> um, they want to feel more like men. So they have their men, (laughs) like toxic men. Um, They have their wives essentially like robotized uh, by Christopher Walken. And yeah, um, it's kind of like everybody around Joanna is basically like Gaslighting her into thinking like there's nothing wrong here, including her husband, and he knows exactly like what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and that she's gonna get robotized, and he's like okay with it, and it eventually kind of comes to this uh, tipping point where she is going to become a robot, and we think that she's become a robot, and that her husband was all on board with it, but it turns out that they were pretending and that he was like, I don't want my wife to not be my wife. So she pretends to become robotized and then he sneaks into this like underground lab and he turns, he basically just starts pushing buttons, which I don't know why that would possibly work, but he just goes to this control panel, starts jamming all the buttons and they managed to shut down all of the robot programming and all the women come back to being themselves while they're at this like ball event mm-hmm. and in the process all of the men are suddenly terrified and they become like little like the wusses that they <laughs> said they said like oh our wives were so successful it made us feel like uh, it made us feel like wusses and then so they they make their wives subservient, but now their wives come back to being their wives, and they revert back to being what's his again. So, uh, which I, I I liked that little detail, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it all kind of culminates in this moment where like Christopher Walken it turns out he was a robot, and his wife Glenn Close who uh, introduced them to the whole neighborhood. It was it was leading to this point of like thinking, oh yeah, like christopher walken's character was behind it all he created all of these robots and glenn close is also a robot and you know she's his wife turns out uh christopher walken was the robot and that she created him and she created all of these robot women and she wanted to create like a perfect society where like the women would be good women and the men would be good men and like they could all just be themselves and (laughs) right like nothing but (laughs) but then she says like you know my plan was to turn the men into robots eventually too um or anything but sorry yeah but so basically like the whole program gets destroyed and the men's punishment for trying to make their wives subservient is that now they're on house arrest and they have to basically become house husbands and they it ends with a scene of the men at the grocery store not knowing where anything is uh,
1: which like is so dumb i'm like put them in jail <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean it's a very stylized yeah. movie yeah. it's kind of got like a like a tim burton-esque uh, almost like which stylization
1: connected to the project at one point but that makes sense. Or Was going to be a part of the project.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the first things I noticed in the opening credits of this movie, which is a lengthy opening credits sequence, that's kind of showing like 1950s uh, aesthetic mm-hmm. stuff, like you know the the men go to work and the women. I think it's like
1: these shiny appliances. Yeah, they shiny appliances. The it. yeah, we're yeah.
0: living like we really thought we were living in the future in the 50s, um, and the women stay at home and are subservient to their husbands. Um, but I saw that Frank Oz was the one that uh he directed this movie and Frank Oz like he has worked on like puppetry for a really long time he literally was the voice of Yoda he like he himself is Yoda um so that kind of like clicked almost immediately for me Mm -hmm. of like how this movie was made in this style in this way Mm -hmm. because it's just it's very like oh yeah Frank Oz would have made this and I liked that they made little um there was a scene where the one of the Joanna's friends who is not a robot becomes a robot Mm -hmm. and she is talking to her children and she gave them like their lunches and one of the children is like, where's my action figures? She's like, it's got Mace Windu and Amidala. And she, he's like, what about Boba Fett? And she's like, oh, they were out. And he was like, oh, man. She's like, well, here's $500. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, like Star Wars reference because Frank Oz is the one that's directing this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice. Anyway. do you like it? You know, I, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. Mm-hmm. I, you know you hear a title like the stepford wives and you just you just don't know how boring that's going to end <laughs> up being <laughs> yeah um but then when i when we actually started watching i was like oh this is kind of like a neat fun little concept mm-hmm. um i liked the aesthetic of it all mm-hmm. i liked that it kind of had this science fiction angle but like from a 1950s perspective um and it has a lot to say about like gender dynamics mm-hmm. and um like it it really kind of yeah it was it was very much like this social commentary of like when the men now like their wives are just subservient and are just taking care of all of their needs what the men then do is like they're playing like battle robots nothing yeah they, they yeah they do absolutely nothing they're fighting robots together they're drinking beer or cocktails and uh like, smoking cigars and just chilling out.
1: Acting like children. Yeah,
0: essentially. And I'm like, I, that. what a perfect commentary. Because, like, that's, yeah. I, in a way, like, if that world existed, that's exactly what we would be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah. But it also made me reflect and think, like, you know what? Like, I appreciate my partner. I would never want her to become... A subservient yeah. robot. It's the conversations that we can have with each other and the fact mm-hmm. that we're best friends that mm-hmm. make the whole relationship feel as fruitful yeah. as it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I did like the movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah, certainly didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was, it was fun, quirky little thing. Mm-hmm. Um I did see that it wasn't like the most well rated movie.
2: Yeah.
0: Um which I thought was kind of interesting. Like the the ratings were like kind of, at least the IMDb rating um, mm-hmm. was like a lot. I had seen the IMDb rating when I was trying to figure out like mm-hmm. where to find this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, it's like 5.6. But mm-hmm. then we watched the movie and I was like, this seems a lot better than a 5.6. I wonder what that's about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's cute. Yeah. It's I mean, it's dumb. At the same time, I mean,
1: it's supposed to be a comedy. It's not supposed to be this like serious, you know. No, yeah, it's 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 silly. It's lighthearted,
0: and at the end, it's kind of like, no way, how would that happen? You know. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I think for what they were going for, like, you know, nailed it.
1: Yeah, I think it's so funny, like watching this movie and like being back here in my parents' house because my parents are starting to see our dynamic and how we do things and like compare it to their own dynamic. And like, so so me and you, we like switch days off cooking. Like you cook one day, I cook the next day. And like we, pretty much all of our chores, we split, we split 50-50 yeah. so that we're both pulling our weight. But for my parents, like my mom tends to do everything for my dad. <laughs> so it's so funny because you're cooking and my mom's like, Parker's cooking? Like what? And then she looks at my dad and is like, how come you don't do that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it's so funny. And I I feel like I feel like the way I was raised, and this is like I love my mom to my mom to pieces. um, but I think this is just like how she's always grown up. And so like anytime we talk about responsibilities, like I've always gotten the message of like, you know, you kinda have to take care of men like that's just what you do like when you're in a relationship you're gonna be the one to do like all the laundry gonna be the one to do all the like cooking like that's just what you have to do all the cleaning and I never loved like I always was like why (laughs) like anytime we'd have those conversations I'm like I'm not doing that and she's like well that's just your responsibility and I'm like why (laughs) you know and so I don't know I just I appreciate where we're at now. Yeah. Because like that, watching that is like, that seems like such a miserable life. Like I'm not, and my favorite, I relate so heavily to Bette Midler's character. Yeah. Because her husband is like, oh, like, why don't you make cookies? And she just, she just, like, looks him dead in his eyes, like, why don't you? And, yeah. like, that's her response to everything. He's like, well, why don't you do this? She's like, you can do it. And I'm like, that's, I feel like that's how I can be.
0: Yeah, well, as a result of that, their house is a complete mess, right? It is a
1: complete mess, which would, like, drive me nuts. Yeah. But, um, but I think
0: yeah. both of us, like, the fact that, yeah, we can recognize that and respect each other and yeah. say, like, well, then we're both doing it yeah and that we're both responsible yeah our stuff ends up coming out you know yeah our stuff's you know our, we're clean <laughs> we're, <laughs> I mean, of cl- course. we're clean we're balanced of we course.
1: i would never let um, none of neither one of us would let things just like sit because like neither one of us is, or like we're like waiting for the other person to yeah. do it like that's just not who we are
0: but well, i mean like you know i mean the movie in and of itself is kind of like an exaggeration yeah um but like am uh, you know like i need to know how to take care of myself like if we were not in a relationship and i lived on my own like yeah. you know to be a man you have to know how to do things yourself yeah um I'm like
1: there's so many men who don't though
0: well like to be in a relationship yeah these days yeah i feel like these you know days. yeah <laughs> like i yeah well obviously like it would be less manly Mm -hmm. for me to let you do everything because Mm -hmm. then like what am i doing yeah and it's like if you were just serving my every need then i would just become pathetic and also (laughs) useless you know like what you wouldn't even need me yeah so um yeah (laughs) yeah that's what that's why to me it makes more sense to have the balance
1: yeah, well I feel like I feel like I'm lucky in the sense that you like I don't need to tell you what to do. Like it's not me nagging you to do something. It's like yeah. you just Yeah. I mean, you'll
0: t- you'll tell me what to do.
1: I mean, occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> occasionally launch us up and I'm like
0: <laughs> Yeah, sure. But like but yeah. You're going to tell me what to do and I'm not going to complain about it because I'm going to be like, yeah, you're right. Like that thing does need to get done and yeah. like I want it to get done. And I'm not going to expect you to do it because, you know, I'm a whole other person in the house yeah. capable of doing it. Yeah. So I'm going to do it, you know?
1: Yeah. But I feel like that's still rare in relationships. Mm. I feel like, I mean, we've evolved a lot, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of women are still in that kind of like care st- role. Yeah. And...
0: Yeah. So I kind of liked that that they took that angle with Glenn Close's character at the end and that she created all of it. Yeah. Because I think it also does kind of get at this thing in our modern society Mm -hmm. where, like, yes, you and I are like, yeah, we got to, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to serve me. We're going to be balanced. Mm -hmm. But there are still, like, women now... Yeah. That, like, their whole thing is they want to be that, like, serving yeah. housewife.
1: Yeah, for sure. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But where the issue comes in is when uh, women who don't want that life yeah. are then shamed. Yeah. Because, like, I think of, like, I know a lot of moms, for example, working moms who take their kids to daycare. Or, well, no. So I know two people who recently shared with me before, like, their husbands take their kids to daycare because the husband's on their way to work mm-hmm. yeah they take their kids to daycare and then like the moms are also working so they go to work mm-hmm. or they work from home so it makes more sense and they get like the one time that they do pick up their child from daycare everyone's like oh we never see you like how come you're not the one taking Ooh. you know your kids to- it's like they get shamed because it's like people are like, you're not around, your ki- like, you're not with your kid. Like, what are you doing? Why is it the husband that's doing it? And it's like, you'd be, that's why I'm like, you'd be surprised. I feel like how many people still like, and of, of course, it's just like what you've learned no. the, through your, the generations and what you've been passed, like the messages you've been passed. But I think there's still a lot of like, I think of people who are new moms and it's really hard because. Every other mom has an opinion on how to raise her child, how to do this, how to do that. Like, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Why are you not breastfeeding? Like that sort of thing. And it's like, we're still, we still have these very similar messages about being a caretaker, about being a wife, about like all these things. Um, and so, yeah, we're still not as progressive as I, I feel like yeah, we it's should
0: just, be. Yeah, it's just a lot more subtle. So it makes it kind of harder for us to yeah. pick up one. Yeah. Or it's like, I guess, it's now micro. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. For sure. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before I say some facts?
0: Um, not really. At one point, I kind of realized watching this movie, like, hey, where are their kids? Um, <laughs> yeah. And they do, I guess... Bring it up and say like the kids are at day camp, mm-hmm. which what what were they doing at day camp? I don't. Know.
1: I mean, if it's the summertime and they're like, oh, at is it, does this take? Yeah, okay. I, I guess this it, I does take, it's take place. Summer. Yeah, during it's the whole of July. Summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: So, I was just kind of wondering, like, what what are the kids like? <laughs> it's a movie yeah. and it's like it's science fiction, so like yeah. it's not you know, I'm not supposed to think so hard on it, but I'm kind of, like, thinking, like, well, what happens when the kids then go to school? What happens when the kids get older? Mm -hmm. What happens when, you know, do the kids go to college? Do they, you know, do the teen girls then, like, become reprogrammed to become wives for, Mm. like, like what happens? Uh, I never thought about that. You know? Yeah. This is very much just, like, kind of capturing, like, A nuclear family moment in this town Uh but like what happens when their kids get older yeah yeah
2: no
1: that makes a lot of sense i don't yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't (laughs) think anyone's thought that through (laughs) that's so funny i always think about like there are there are neighborhoods and our neighborhood like where we live is kind of one of these neighborhoods where it's like there's a whole society within the neighborhood so like you really don't have to like leave the neighborhood if you want to go get dinner. Like, there's a restaurant within, you know, all the houses and things. Are like, you
0: talking about our uh, in Virginia? Our, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, our neighborhood. But there's another neighborhood in Kentucky called Norton Commons that is also very much like this. It's like, it has its own shops, it has its own doctors, it has its own everything. So yeah. you don't even really have to leave your neighborhood. Yeah. And like, I always refer to those type of neighborhoods as Stepford Wives neighborhoods. Oh. Because I'm like, it's like a... It has its own, you're in a bubble, yeah. You're in this like Truman Show like bubble where there's certain, like a certain culture and everyone knows everyone, and like everyone, like because everything's in there, like it's just known you're gonna go to this person for this, it's known you're gonna go to that person,
0: yeah. I don't know what it is, but um, there's just a part of me internally that wants that.
1: I've always very skeptical because like I so I'm for those who don't know I had moved to Virginia first because I had started my program before you came along and I found where we lived like I didn't get to visit I didn't get to do any of that and so I just kind of like picked what looked okay in the pictures yeah and was like this is in my price like in our price range and everything like that and so that's just where I picked and I was like I'm gonna hope for the best like I know it's a little bit outside of like where I'll be going to school and everything And I remember getting there and being like, okay, (laughs) like a little eerie, a little Mm -hmm. eerie, but still nice, Mm -hmm. still looks good. And I think, I mean, our neighborhood is like, at least the houses are so diverse and Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, and it, it feels a bit more open than just, like, isolated to one thing. But that neighborhood I was talking about in Kentucky, it's, like, every house looks the same. Yeah. It's all these, like, white, kind of, like, white house-looking houses. They all have American flags. They, it's, like, yeah. very, I mean, I wouldn't, very eerie.
0: I wouldn't want to live in a town like that, necessarily, where every right. house looks exactly the same, and yeah. it's, like, every single person is living the same life. Yeah. I'm not really... Yeah, I'm not looking for that. Yeah. But I do have something... In in me that just wants to have like, like small a, a small town yeah. where you like you have everything you need within yeah. a short distance. You know everybody. Mm-hmm. There's community events. Yeah, you no, know I do like
1: that. I do that like that. There's yeah, yeah. But that's I,
0: supposed to be like the dream or whatever.
1: For sure. And I love where we live currently. Yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, no, I. It's always so it's – so, it's just funny because I, I refer to this movie a lot just like when I'm visiting places. I'll be like, oh, this is a Stepford Wives neighborhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't know if anyone knows what I mean by that when I say yeah. it to them. But, yeah, it's just like – yeah, this, this movie stuck out to me a lot. I think I first saw it when I was in high school. And I was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> like, yeah, It was so wild. bizarre. Um, but I love it. Uh, so facts –
0: yeah i mean with some facts
1: so i don't think you mentioned this but this is based off of a book and there was it's also a remake of an older movie
0: i did not know that
1: yeah so the book came out in 1972 and the first film that was a like was an adaptation of the book came out in 1975 um so yeah it was like two things before it became the nicole kidman version gotcha um so it's interesting you talk about like ratings and things like that uh the biggest fact that came up was that production was basically a nightmare really there was a lot of tension between a lot of people things were just kind of like falling to pieces they kept re-editing and rewriting uh The whole movie, pretty much, based on test screenings. Oh, and what a nightmare! Yeah, and so Frank Oz said, like, his an interview. He was like, my biggest regret was I was so focused on what the people, what the audiences wanted, on what like the, um, whatever the company that was producing the film,
2: Paramount.
1: Yeah, like what they wanted, what all these stakeholders wanted. That like I feel like it led to a lot of weird plot holes. Like the movie, I felt like wasn't as cohesive as i would have liked it and things like that and i think because of a lot of those rewrites and um yeah a lot of those rewrites the actors were starting to get fed up um and so uh pretty much like nicole kidman reported that she almost left the project because she was just like dissatisfied with the script rewrites. like Mm. she was just like what is going on um There was also some tension with um, Frank Oz and Christopher Walken. I don't know the details behind that, Mm. but there was like some tension there. And then also there was an interview of Frank Oz where he said, where they wrote that he blamed Bette Midler for being under a lot of stress from other projects. And she was bringing that stress onto the set, which like made it worse for everybody. Mm. Um, so it just seems like everyone was kind of clashing.
0: <laughs> because, yeah, that seems tough. Yeah,
1: because everything was And then you've like got
0: manic. all these test screenings going on and yeah. trying to cater to what people are saying there. Oh, yeah. it just sounds like the worst time.
1: Yes. And so one of the biggest rewrites, I guess, um, is the ending of the movie. So the ending of the movie, I found a fact that was like the ending of the movie doesn't follow the ending of the book. Mm. And that they changed it because test audiences didn't like the ending of the movie.
0: What was the ending?
1: So in the book, and I don't know if this was the ending of the movie at first or they did something else. Mm-hmm. But in the ending of the book, I think Joanna becomes a robot. Like that's just like the end. She that... ends up being a robot. Oh. But I, there, it's like way more nuanced and as to like how that happened, I'm assuming. Okay. I think. Um, I tried to read a synopsis of the book, and it was just like so detailed. I was like, I can't, like, I can't listen to you and read this at the same time. So, yeah, no. but I do know that she becomes a robot at the end. Um, I don't know if that's what the original ending of this movie was, because I think that is the ending of the first movie, the 1975 movie.
0: Seems like a bad message.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know what the original ending of this movie was, but they did change it based on the feedback that they got and made it so that they save everybody (laughs) so yeah
0: i mean yeah i I mean i i liked how they ended this yeah and i like that they did the whole like yeah glenn close was the one behind it angle i i don't know it seemed like there was more to chew on more commentary in that ending
2: yeah Um, definitely
0: Yeah. yeah
1: it makes me so i recently because i since i knew we were gonna watch this i was like i'm gonna finally sit down and watch don't worry darling because when i had first seen the trailers of don't worry darling i was like oh is this kind of like stepford wives
2: yeah
1: um and so yeah i watched it don't worry darling is a lot darker
2: yeah
1: um but i think it does have some similarities obviously like this creating this like robot where the women are like robots they're not robots in don't worry darling it's a bit more complex than that but like yeah. basically bringing these women into like a 1950s kind of yeah experience for it so that these it's, men can like live the yeah lives men were doing
0: one thing yeah yeah
1: and um there's a i don't know should i like i don't want to should i not spoil probably, it probably
0: probably not
1: yeah well there's a similarity from this ending yeah to the ending of don't worry darling sure um so, yeah, so I, I feel like there's a lot more parallels than there are differences.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, solid pick. I, yeah, I uh, underestimated <laughs> how much I would enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Seeing that robot dog, I was like, oh, God. Oh, the, <laughs> the robot
0: dog was kind of weird. <laughs> that was uh, so weird. Robo Rover 3000 was this <laughs> robot dog that they got when they moved into the house, and it was. It's. It's such. It's like. It's like plastic. It's, it's like
1: spy kids level. Yeah. CGI.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it. I don't know what to take of that. It, yeah. It I was. Know yeah
1: I saw it and was like I do not remember that at all it was like, scary what is th- I know it's weird like it's a very genuinely,
0: genuinely terrifying little piece of cgi there
1: but it kind of adds to it like yeah it, yeah no it did yeah
0: it did feel like oh that's what the 1950s would have concocted out of a small robot dog yeah uh yeah
1: definitely for sure whoo all right yeah, yeah let's we do assignments
0: I got I have I have nothing Um, I
1: didn't pick anything either so I'm going through
0: I I just I've got it in my head I'm going for it all
1: right what are you assigning
0: um I think I'm just gonna go with a childhood movie okay um yeah let's just go for it uh I'm gonna give you the warriors of virtue
1: okay isn't that oh I was like isn't that the name of the video game I played
0: (laughs) What video game?
1: The something last virtue or something like that. I thought, Virtues, I thought it, oh, Virtues Last Reward. There we go. No, <laughs>
0: I've given you the Warriors and I've given you Virtues Last Reward, but I've never given you <laughs> Warriors of Virtue. That's funny. Yeah, that's ah, uh, it's gonna be weird. It's pretty weird. I, uh, it's it's a movie that came out in the '90s. I watched a lot as a kid. I had it on yeah. home video. It's like it's up there with like you know Jumanji mm. and like. Uh, never ending story mm-hmm. like it's it's like that but okay. it's
1: i love jumanji yeah it's yeah. It,
0: it it sits in that space in my brain okay. um but not a lot of people seem to know about it
1: yeah i've never heard of it oh
0: uh, yeah this will be this will be real interesting i haven't seen it in yeah well over 25 years so
1: okay yeah all right um or maybe
0: 20 years but
1: yeah. got to i'm stuck between two picks So I'll let you decide which one I assign. I could give you an animated movie. Okay. Or I can give you a movie that's really bad, but I find kind of funny.
0: (laughs) Really bad that you find kind of funny in an animated movie? Yeah. Um, I'll take... What's what's the genre of the really bad movie that you find kind of funny?
1: It's like a... It's actually based on a true story. It's like a, I don't know.
0: Is the is the animated movie a little more like whimsical? I, I guess. No. It's not.
1: It's not like a. It's like a. It's a DreamWorks animation. It is DreamWorks. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's let's do that.
1: Okay. I'm gonna give you How to Train Your Dragon. Oh.
0: Yeah. No. 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 That's perfect. Okay. Yeah. 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 How to tra- Yeah. I've never. Yeah, spoiler, I love How to Train Your Dragon. I have never seen. The entirety of the first one. I've seen a part of it.
1: It's so cute.
0: I've seen the second one.
1: I don't remember the second one.
0: Is there a third one? I think so. Yeah and then there's like a whole spin-off TV show. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah I love the first one. I, yeah it's I've so never cute.
0: never seen the entirety of the first one. All right. I All haven't right.
1: given you an animated movie in a really long time. Have I even given you one? Ah, uh, Should I have given you Sting? Nah we'll what, stick with How to Train
0: what, sing sing ew no i don't want to sing is
2: so cute sorry i haven't
0: yeah i haven't seen sing either but no no, no. Yeah. I would, I would, for what what for what i'm assigning you i think this is okay. gonna be perfect how to train your dragon and warriors of virtue yeah i think that's a good pair that is a good pair a good order that's okay. nailed it all right with that with that coupling okay all right See you next time. We're going to be watching How to Train Your Dragon and Warriors of Virtue. We'll see you then. Have a great week. Enjoy Zelda or Disney Dreamlight Valley Uh, (laughs) if you're playing those. And uh, pick them up if uh, they sound interesting as well. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.